uh, it's, well, it's one of the most well-known carols, isn't it? I think it's probably one of the most favourite carols that we sing at Christmas time. Um, we'll sing it again. I don't know if we sing it next week, but we sing it, certainly sing it over Christmas. And if you're coming to our 19th of December um, uh, Christmas carols event, we'll sing it then too. So I hope you look forward to that. It, it, it was originally German, um, uh, written in German, still nucked. Not quite sure I've got the pronunciation right there, but I'll do my best. And uh, by a guy called, written by a guy called Joseph Moore, M-O-H-R, and um, Franz Gruber, for, so really the mid-19th century, put it that way. Uh, it's estimated that its lyrics have been translated into more than 140 different languages. How about that? I'd love to hear it in a few other languages. In, um, when we were overseas living in uh, Dubai, we sang it in Arabic, which um, I couldn't do for you now. Sorry about that. But it was pretty cool nonetheless. And luckily I knew the words. At least I knew what I was singing. On, uh, on um, a number of occasions, in the world, both uh, in World Wars, fighting at Christmas was brought to a temporary close by troops singing their native language versions of Silent Night um, across... The, the enemy lions to each other. Isn't that incredible? It's, it was pause, fighting was pause, and at Christmas time they sung a silent night to each other. Ten minutes later they started to kill each other again. A bit sad. And just for the Star Wars um, fans out there, did you know that there's a recording of Chewbacca singing Star Wars? That sort of thing. Um, worthwhile listening to. Google it. So how did this carol come about? Um, well, Moore and Gruber were the curate and organist, respectively, of the parish of, um, or the church of uh, St Nicholas, apparently, um, an exquisitely picturesque village, I'm told, about 20 kilometres uh, outside of Salzburg. Legend would have it that on a Christmas day, uh, Christmas Eve, 1818, the organ of this little church broke. Oh no, what do you do? Well... Um, and some say it was a result of this hungry mouse that got chewing at the bellows of the old, you know, that, those old organs had these big bellows. Well, the quick-witted organist penned a tune on the spot to Moore's words uh, that could be accompanied easily on guitar. How about that? And the threat of a truly silent night was averted. Now, truth is, there's no evidence at all to suggest that the organ was anything but fully functional that Christmas Eve. And um, more pen the words, we think, about two years earlier. So I'm not quite sure about this story. Um, but everyone loves a good story, right? They do. Uh, as one writer put it, an urban, a good urban myth serves to consecrate and ennoble what might otherwise be ra ma rather mundane reasons for creative acts. We want Silent Night, in particular, to have a remarkable origin because what Gruber and Moore produced was itself so remarkable. There you go. That's why the story's there. <laughs> well, you know, each of the six original verses, there are six original verses, and we, we usually sing three in English. Uh, each of those six verses capture the gospel, the good news at Christmas time, from the miracle of the incarnation, remember, Jesus, Lord at thy birth, uh, to the hope of redemption, Christ the Saviour is born. Uh, I actually mix the words up a little bit there, uh, or the stanzas up, so make sure we finish with Christ the Saviour is born. And it's a wonderful reminder, the hope of redemption, the hope of forgiveness with God, Jesus has come. Our light in darkness, the song's really about. 
as verse 3 sings, uh, the Son of God loves pure light has come. They're wonderful words for us to focus on. So today, I want us to think a little more about that light that has come. Uh, the light of the world. The light uh, that lights up the darkness. Jesus, God's Son. And I, wanna, I suppose I want to ask you, do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Do you trust him? And, and then what? I suppose that's what I want to ask you today. Uh, for some of you, yes, you do know him. Uh, but I'm glad Ross introduced things as he did today because sometimes we push him to the side, don't we? Sometimes there's so much other things going on that we forget to focus on who Jesus is and that he's come to this earth to save. So um, that's what we're doing today over the next few minutes. Um, he's the light. As you've seen your, your outline there, you can follow that along if you want to. Three focus points that Jesus is the light that reveals, he's the light that saves, and he's the light that we follow. And I'll ask you, do you believe that? Well, let's look at this first heading. Jesus is the light that reveals. I'm just going to grab my little clicker for a minute. There we go. So, Jesus is the light that reveals. Well, Jesus reveals God. That's what the Bible says plainly. Jesus reveals God. If you've got a Bible there, I'd love you to flick over a few pages to John chapter 14. If not, just listen carefully. This, the, the context here is that Jesus is at his final night with his disciples. It's a pretty intense night. Uh, a lot of things went down and they shared this Passover meal. Uh, Jesus said a number of important things. But then Philip said to Jesus, this is in verse 8, John 14 verse 8. Jesus says, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, and listen to his patient answer. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? You see what Jesus says very plainly. He says, when we know him, we know the Father. When we know Jesus, we know God. That's why the light has come, to help us to know God. He is in the Father and the Father is in him. Now, let's jump back to John chapter 1 again. This is the reading that Hannah read to us a few moments ago. John chapter 1. I'm going to read a big chunk again and let's focus on the Jesus, the light that reveals so John chapter 1 verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now skip down to verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side, has made him known. You see, since the very beginning, God has revealed himself by speaking. Uh, he created through his word, uh, who was there in the beginning, we're told. And he continued to speak through his prophets, revealing himself to his people. 
Now we read that he speaks to us, reveals himself to us through his son, the word of God. And John verse 1 verse 1 tells us that the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. So it's in that real earthly historical sense that Jesus, the son of God, has made God known. We can know him. Through Jesus. And John 1 says, therefore, Jesus, the word of God, is the light who illuminates the Father, you could say, who makes him known. A bit like headlights uh, lighting up the road ahead so we know the way, or spotlights on a stage so we know where the focus ought to be. God sent us his Son so that we can know him. So at Christmas time, and we learned a, bit, a little bit more about this last week, didn't we? When we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Well, we praise God, we rejoice, because God has made himself known. God with us, Emmanuel means. He's revealed himself through the coming of his son. But Jesus is also the light that shines. You see in chapter 1, verse 5 of John 1, he's the light that shines in the darkness. Now, what does this mean? Well, darkness in John's gospel usually refers to sin and death and evil, bad things. And so then Jesus is light that's come into a dark world. As a light, he also reveals our darkness, our sinfulness, uh, our humanness, our brokenness, and therefore our need for a saviour. We know that darkness cannot overcome light, But light can overcome darkness. You see that? When Jesus came to the world, he came as a light overcoming darkness. And so John 3 tells us that Jesus is the light that saves. A fairly um, well-known part of the scripture I'm going to read to you from in a moment. So John 3, verse 16, if you want to look that up with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Uh, Ronald Stuart Thomas, uh, R.S. Thomas, more more well known for those initials, he was a a Welsh clergyman, um, mid to late 20th century, And he wrote a a beautiful piece of poetry uh, about the coming of Jesus. It's called The Coming. You can look it up. It's quite short. Well, recently there's been a short film made about, uh, or based around this poem. And I think it helps us to understand, I think, Jesus' mission coming into the world to save sinners, to save the darkness of this world. For Jesus is the light that saves. He's the light of the world. I want to show this short little video. It's, um, I think it's really good. So we'll talk about it in a moment. Let's, let's watch it. Thanks, Adrian.
and God held in his hand a small globe. Look, he said. The sun looked. Far off, as through water, he saw a scorched land of fierce colour. The light burned there, Crusted buildings cast their shadows. A bright serpent, a river, uncoiled itself, radiant with slime. On a bare hill, a bare tree saddened the sky. Many people held out their thin arms to it, as though waiting for a vanished April to return to its crossed bounds. The sun watched them. Let me go there, he said. It's an interesting take, isn't it? Um, there's just uh, a bit in that. It's obviously poetic, so it's it's not a. Um, you might have some theological questions there. It's not too bad, but <laughs> it definitely poetry. I don't know. I think of that, and I think it's no wonder Joseph Moore wrote of Jesus um, loves pure light, uh, God's saving grace. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to save, and he came to save from the darkness of this world. Uh, the sinfulness of this world. He came to save us for our sins. See, in Jesus, as John 3 says, we're not condemned. He came into this world to save. We're forgiven by his death. In Jesus, we have light over darkness. But as John writes, he, he, he writes too, he says, be careful you don't love the darkness. Did you, did you pick that up from the, the reading of John 3? In other words, be careful you don't love the things of this world over Jesus. Be careful you don't love the things of this world over the things of God. The created things more than the creator. The gifts more than the giver. Because if you do, John 3 says you stand condemned. Well, that actually leads us to our final thing to say this morning. Uh, Jesus says in John 8, he says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. And that is, that's your status before God. When we follow Jesus, your status before God is that you won't walk in darkness. You're forgiven, you're right with God. Darkness has overcome light. And then John 8, verse 12, he says, But whoever follows me will have the light of life. So Jesus is the light that we follow. 
Over in Ephesians 5, verse 8, the apostle writes, For you were once darkness, so before we were believers, we were once in darkness, following picking up those words from Jesus. But now you are, in the, you are light in the world, so live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light, living with Christ in your heart, uh, consists of all goodness, righteousness and truth. You know, I read a funny thing this, this, uh, this week, and I, sort of, I knew this, but it was nice to find a name for it. You know, when a duckling is born, I'm sure you know this, yeah, good country people. Um, <laughs> when a duckling is born, uh, it'll follow the first thing that it sees. Now, I'd love, it's, it's called imprinting. That's, the name, that's what it's called, imprinting. Um, and it helps establish its identity. It forms a bond and it follows. And once it starts following, it doesn't stop following. Now, I was thinking to myself, now, this would be cool. I've got a few pets. I wouldn't mind a pet duck that just follows me around. You've got to be there at the right moment, and there it is. It follows you. So if one day if I come to church and there's a duck following me around, standing behind me, and you know what's happened. Um, that would be really cool. See, this little duckling, I'll just say, hears its mother's voice right, and does what its mother does. That's what happens. It follows. You see, Jesus says, listen to my voice. Do as I do. Follow me. Ephesians says, and that looks like goodness, righteousness, and truth. Well, friends, let's tie a few things together. Uh, as we sang before, love's pure light has come into the world. Light into darkness. So he's the light that reveals, he's the light that saves, and he's the light that we ought to follow. You know, this world has much darkness in it does but only the light of Jesus will overcome it uh, only the light of Jesus perhaps you feel like you've got um, darkness it's a pretty harsh way to put it in some ways but darkness within you uh, the only way that's going to be overcome is the light of Jesus and I want to ask you do you know that light I said at the start I'd ask you I'd ask, do you know that light uh, do you believe in that light that saves, that light that comforts, that light that assures, that light that delivers, that light that died for you? Well, if you do, well, let's follow him, shall we? Let's follow him. How about we pray? Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness to us. Uh, Lord God, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus uh, to be born, to live to reveal you, to show us you, Lord God, to save us. And Lord, we pray that we would follow you, Lord Jesus. We would listen to your voice. And Lord, help us to do what you'd like us to do. Uh, Father, we thank you for church today. We thank you for the privilege it is to come together and know that you love us dearly and know this Christmas time that we remember all the, the wonderful things you've given us most of all, your son, Jesus. Amen.